You're listening to show 16 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast, your source for all things real estate accounting and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to yet another podcast from The Real Estate CPA. I'm your host, Brandon Hall. I hope that you've been enjoying the new podcast format that we've been bringing to you on a weekly basis. You really have to thank Thomas Castelli for that, one of my employees here at The Real Estate CPA, also the co-host of The Real Estate CPA podcast. Really great guy when it comes to marketing and content build out. So really have to thank him for jumping back on this podcast train. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud and make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. A couple of key announcements for you. The first is that we are building out a knowledge base. It will cost you something, so it's not a free knowledge base, but the idea is that you can search within our knowledge base. You can search real estate tax strategies built out by our real estate experts and get answers to your questions without having to pay us or another CPA firm for a strategy call or to answer email questions. And the other big announcement is 2018 is starting to wrap up. We're getting into Q4 here soon. So make sure that your accounting is squared away. Make sure that your tax strategies are squared away. We're going to be doing a lot of tax strategy and tax planning with our clients later on this year. Uh, But it's definitely time to start thinking about that if you haven't already, especially with all the 2018 tax code changes. You don't want to be caught unaware in January. By then, it might be too late to make any sort of pivots and alter your 2018 tax position. So definitely make sure to connect with your CPA on how you can reduce your tax liability going into year end here. Okay, so today's show topic is S-corporations for agents, flippers, and wholesalers. Basically, people that are running full-time businesses, not our landlord crowd, but people that are subject to higher taxation on every dollar that they're earning. And before we get into what an S-corporation is and why it's important for these types of folks, I do want to kind of talk about that higher taxation that I just mentioned. As a business owner... I have to pay a tax equal to 15.3% on every dollar that I earn up to net profits of 128.4K. So up until $128,400, I pay 15.3% in what we call FICA taxes, also known as self-employment taxes. Above that 128.4K threshold, I only pay 2.9%. So the Social Security portion of that 15.3% drops off after 128.4K. But that 15.3% comes into play before we ever factor in my marginal tax rate from the federal and the state perspective. So at a federal level of 37% and a state level of say 5.5%, I'm already at 42%. You tack on 15.3% there and I'm easily above a 50% tax rate on all the income that I am earning. This is true for anybody that runs a business where they earn ordinary income. And that ordinary income is generated from performing services or selling products. It's different for landlords who are simply buying an asset and then renting that asset out on a monthly basis. Landlords are not subject to that 15.3% tax. They have a tax shelter on their income because it's considered passive, not 
ordinary income. And that's the key difference there. The landlords are not selling services or products. They're just selling a space in one of their assets. And so they don't have to pay that 15.3% tax. So with this extra 15.3% tax coming in for all business owners that are earning income on selling their services or their products, it very clearly gives us more tax planning scenarios because we have more tax liability that we want to reduce at this point. And one such tax planning scenario is to run your business out of an S corporation rather than an LLC or even a C corporation. The only way to run an S corporation is to first set up an LLC or a C corporation and then have the entity elect to be taxed as an S corporation. So that's the only way that you can get to an actual S corporation. It's also important to note that an S corporation is a tax entity. It's not necessarily a legal entity. It does depend on the state. Some states recognize S corporations. Some states do not recognize S corporations. But for purposes of this conversation, just understand that it is a federal tax election. And the key purpose here is not necessarily asset protection, but rather reducing our exposure to that 15.3% tax that I was mentioning earlier. Once we have an S corporation set up, we are going to start running payroll for ourselves. We're going to start paying ourselves a W-2 wage. And the key here is that when you run an S corporation, only the W-2 wage that you pay yourself is subject to that 15.3% tax. The remaining income that the S corporation earns is not going to be subject to that 15.3% tax. So we get to avoid FICA taxes, those self-employment taxes, by paying ourselves a W-2 salary. Now, this does not work with an LLC. So a lot of our clients will always ask, well, can I just set up an LLC and pay myself a W-2 wage? No, you cannot because of the way that LLCs are taxed. When you tax an entity as a partnership, everything flows through to you. Same thing with an S-corporation, everything flows through. But with an S-corporation, the difference is that the W-2 wages are considered wages and the money passing through to you is considered a cash dividend that is not subject to that 15.3% FICA tax. With an LLC, a partnership structure, or just a single member LLC, you can pay yourself a W-2 wage, but the income coming into you from the LLC that's being passed through is still gonna be subject to that 15.3% tax rate. So we have to go the S corporation route to avoid these FICA taxes. And again, we do that by paying ourselves a W-2 wage because only the W-2 portion of the total profits that we earn is going to be subject to that 15.3% tax. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you earn $100,000 and you don't have an S corporation. So you're either running out of an LLC or you're just running it as a sole proprietorship and you're reporting your income on Schedule C. So you earn $100,000. Before we even factor in your marginal tax rate or your state tax rates, you're going to be paying $15,300 from self-employment taxes alone on that $100,000. If you were instead to be taxed as an S corporation and you earn the exact same amount of money, we might pay you $50,000 as a W-2 wage and the remaining $50,000 will come out as a cash dividend. So we're still earning our $100,000, but now we're splitting it up between wages equal to 50K and then a cash dividend equal to 50K. And when you're running this out of an S corporation, what happens is that 50K cash dividend is not subject to that 15.3% tax. So by creating an S corporation in this particular example, we have eliminated a 15.3% tax 
on our $50,000 in cash dividends, which equals a tax savings of $7,650. Now you're gonna receive this tax savings of $7,650 every single year that you run that as corporation because you are paying yourself a wage less than your total profits. In this example, we split it 50-50. And on the cash dividends, you don't have to pay that 15.3% tax. So you get that tax savings every single year. Now, I want to talk about some mistakes that we often see with folks that are running S-corporations. The first mistake is that somebody will be running an S-corporation and they'll pay themselves the full amount of net profits from the S-corporation. So the S-corporation might net $200,000 and we'll see a payroll event at the end of the year where somebody will pay themselves the $200,000. So they pay themselves 200K in W-2 wages, and then they have $0 in cash dividends. This is obviously a huge mistake because the whole point of the S-corporation is to not pay yourself the entire amount of the profits so that you can save 15.3% on the cash dividends that you receive. Sometimes we get some pushback from clients that say, no, I need a W-2 wage for financing purposes, but most lenders won't even consider your W-2 from an S corporation because they know that you own the entire entity and you operate the entire entity. So they're going to look at the entire net income earned from that S corporation and they're going to consider it self-employment income regardless of how you pay it out. So I wouldn't worry too much there. Another big mistake is one that we see with states. So we often see business owners not understanding state tax laws as they relate to S corporations. So Tennessee, for instance, will tax the cash dividends that the S corporation pays out. And it kind of makes taxing ourselves as an S corporation in the state of Tennessee a moot point. Same thing with New York City. Uh, there's some double taxation with S corporations at play there. So make sure that you understand not only at a state level, but also a city level, how they tax S corporations. While you might get the benefit on the federal level, it might be reversed on the state level, yielding very little to no total tax savings once the federal and the state are both factored in. A third mistake that we often see with S-corporations is landlords will put their rental properties into S-corporations. Now, I would advise that a landlord never put their rentals into an S-corporation. Maybe I can find one small exception to that. You know, I posted a video on YouTube about this too. Landlords need to know not to put their rentals in a corporation structure at all, whether it be an S-corporation or a C-corporation. Putting the real estate in the S-corporation can be a tax event Buying the real estate within an S corporation isn't that big of a deal. But what really happens is whenever the S corporation starts liquidating properties, or if we want to move properties around because we're getting older and we're starting some estate planning, you can't move properties out of an S corporation without causing a tax event. And if you do want to get into the estate planning stuff, we're not going to jump into it today, but it can cause huge issues for your heirs if you're passing down this real estate or, or you're, you intended to pass down this real estate, but it's all held within an S corporation. So don't complicate things for your tax advisor. Keep your rental properties outside of the corporations, have them owned by LLCs, simple structure. You still get the asset protection, but you're not shooting yourself in the foot for some future tax event that you're unaware of. And the last big mistake that we see with S corporations relates to reasonable compensation. So the IRS says that you have to reasonably compensate the officers of the S corporations because they know that people will set up as corporations to avoid FICA taxes. So those stories that you hear of people paying themselves $1 when they've earned $100,000 and therefore they avoid $15,300 in FICA taxes, 
Uh, those stories are short-lived because what that person's not telling you is that a couple years later, they get audited and they get all sorts of penalties assessed against them for underreporting their tax liability. If you don't want to be subject to a bunch of penalties and just a real big pain in the butt, then we recommend that you take the reasonable compensation piece very seriously and that you don't undercut yourself. Now, a lot of CPAs will just take a random percentage of your profits and they will say that is your reasonable compensation. So on your $100,000 of net earnings, your CPA might say, oh, well, I think that you should be paid 60%, $60,000 as a W-2 wage. So then you would run a payroll event for $60,000 and $40,000 would come out as a cash dividend. The problem with this is when you're audited or when you're challenged by the tax court, how do you substantiate 60%? When you're asked, how did you just substantiate 60%? What are you going to say? You're going to say, well, my CPA told me. And then they're going to ask the CPA, how did you substantiate 60%? The CPA is not going to know. They might say, well, based on industry standards, yada, yada. Don't do that. Find actual real supporting documentation for the wages that you're paying yourself. And you'll be able to better substantiate that amount under scrutiny. So one thing that we do is we pull all the Bureau of Labor Statistics data uh, relating to the position of the S corporation that we're analyzing whenever we're running these reasonable compensation analysis for our clients. So for example, let's say that you are running a software company and it's built mainly on your consulting abilities. Well, if the software company income is mainly built off of your consulting abilities, then your reasonable compensation is going to be really high compared to net profit. So of that 100K, we might actually be paying you seventy five dollars to $80,000. But there are also times where you have things really automated and really efficiently set up. So you could very reasonably be running a $200,000 net income business and only spending 10 hours a week running that business. Well, we don't want to pay you, even if you're the only person in that business, we don't want to pay you 180K or 150K or anywhere near that. Because while that might be reasonable on the face of things, it doesn't account for the fact that you're only working 10 hours a week. So in that instance, we would find a wage on an hourly basis. We'd probably even make it a premium wage so that when we are challenged on an hourly basis, we can show, no, wait, we made this a premium wage. We just only work 10 hours a week, which is why our annual wages are low. So don't look over the fact that you can apply these wages on an hourly basis rather than an annual basis, and you could potentially get much better results. Better results being lower wages that are substantiated by hard data. Of course, if we are paying you hourly rather than annually, we would need you to track your time. So that is another administrative burden that you would have to deal with, but it could result in significantly less taxes. That wraps up today's podcast. Hit us up at therealestatecpa.com if you have any questions about this or if you'd like to become a client. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any podcast topic ideas or if you have any anybody that you would recommend as a guest for one of our future shows, please email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.